Hello, listener, and welcome to another episode of the Manufacturer Podcast. You're listening to our Manufacturing and Engineering Week series, and today we've got a special on supply chains. One of the toughest challenges to navigate for UK manufacturers in recent years, as headaches over raw material supply, managing emissions and general global disruption continue to persist. In this episode, we'll hear about the partnerships and solutions that are being sought out by manufacturing companies, as well as what it means to manage supply chains as vast and complex as Britvic, the global drinks manufacturer. I'm your host, Tom Sinjin. We go again. The best investment I think we've put into tech is probably the people. I know it's not the sexy bit, but developing and training the people is probably the bit that makes the biggest difference. You can put all of the digitization in in the world, but unless people know how to use it and can not just look at data and get insight from it, then it's not that useful. This is a clear example of where visibility through the supply chain and ultimately to the end customer would really have helped and calmed her down a little bit. Are we seeing a demand for uh, supply chain solutions? Are they pretty high? Oh, absolutely. Without doubt. Yeah, definitely. If you go back several years ago, uh, and if you were looking to put a new production line in, you planned it well, you could probably sign the contract and have it up and running somewhere between 14, 16 months, depending on the scale of the line, but on average for our industry. Now you've got to double that, really. So planning ahead is really, really important. Is this a calmer picture? Um, for now, <laughs> yes, for now. But um, I'm, unfortunately, I'm sure there'll be another bump in the road uh, just around the corner. To open this episode, I had a word with the manufacturers Stuart Biddle, our Strategic Accounts Director and Head of Sales. Stuart gave us an insight into some of the issues that our manufacturing community are reporting on and the solutions that they're seeking out from the businesses that make up our vendor community, the companies providing solutions to ease supply chain concerns. I spoke with Stu at the bar of a hotel in Birmingham, where we and the team stayed this week to deliver the Industrial Data Summit at Villa Park. Well, here we are in sunny Birmingham. Nice little hotel. Uh, I've got a pint in my hand uh, and I'm joined by my good mate, Stu Biddle, to talk about manufacturing supply chains. You know what, mate? I can't think of a better way I'd like to spend an evening, to be honest. Quite, Tom. And, and, and the sun genuine has been shining. I had my sunglasses on, so cheers. cheers. There's what, the clink. What are you drinking? What is that? Mm. So, so this is um, this is a, a purity brewery and an ubu. I'm a big fan of uh, mm. amber ales. That does look nice. So, um, yeah, it's all right. You guys, and when I say you guys, I mean yourself and our colleague uh, Henry, Henry Anson. You, you're doing manufacturing directors forum dinners, virtual roundtables constantly. And you're hearing aggregated pain points, lots of concerns coming from manufacturers. And the ones I've sat in on, I think, almost every time supply chain has come up. I, I mean, it's bound to, isn't it? Are we seeing, would you say, a slightly calmer picture compared to the turmoil of a few years ago? I think the first thing to say, Tom, is that uh, the only certainty is uncertainty, right? I mean, sure. to, to think that we have a slightly calmer picture, I think there are a number of challenges and roadblocks that come uh, along the way and you, know, you think about the pandemic but even since then you, you think about the Suez blockage mm. um, I mean you can even go back to the um, the ash clouds 
um, from the Icelandic volcano. So there, there's always a bump in the road. Um, and I think particularly the pandemic has helped industry uh, improve its contingency planning. Mm. Um, but some issues like the semiconductor shortage, they, they remain now and they are likely to carry on um, you know, into 2024. So to answer your question, is this a calmer picture? Um, for now, <laughs> yes, for now. But um, I'm, unfortunately, I'm sure there'll be another bump in the road uh, just around the corner. Yeah. What are some of the common challenges, would you say, that you're hearing from manufacturers around supply chain issues? When we, we talk about supply chain and we talk about resilience and uh, supply chain integrity and all those good things, um, visibility is one of the biggest issues, right? Um, and the only way really of overcoming that is through collaboration. And that takes trust and good communication. Um, but collaboration and to create visibility um, on those delays that, that are coming down the track is really important. I think mm. we saw some fantastic examples during the pandemic of uh, how businesses were collaborating. They were picking up the phone and talking to each other yeah. in real, you know, to understand in real time where the components were, where the trucks on the road were, um, and to find out what, you know, what shortage there were or what delays there were. Um, but a lot of that came down to personal relationships, mm-hmm. people that had worked together for years, that had been out and seen each other's sites or been out and seen each other's distribution centres. Um, and now working with work and patterns changing and, and arguably probably forever, um, you know, a greater proportion of remote workers um, and some significant changes in personnel. A lot of people have decided to take early retirement or they've moved on to different roles, different industries. Um, those relationships between the organisations may not be as strong because the individuals have changed or the circumstances have changed. Yeah. So it helped on that occasion, but for um, the longer term, we need a solution and you know technology is the obvious answer so to improve that visibility i think we need to be looking at solution technological solutions yeah. that are going to help us um get greater visibility um and i, I listened to last week's podcast and mm. it, um lana's issues with her house move made me think you know this is a clear example of where visibility through the supply chain and ultimately to the end customer would really have helped and calmed her down a little bit um because i know she was a bit uptight about that so um hopefully that's all sorted itself out yeah hopefully nicely answered and well done for tying in the previous episode <laughs> um, look where are we coming See, someone listens yeah well yeah at least we've got you mate um where we come in in all of this, obviously, we're all about pairing up those solution providers to the manufacturers that, that need them. Are we seeing a demand for uh, supply chain solutions? Are they pretty oh, high? Oh, absolutely. Without yeah. doubt. Yeah, definitely. Um, the, the age old issue for businesses, though, is wading through the options and then making the right decision for not only their operations, but also their wider supply chain. Um, comes back to that 
point I was making about collaboration. Mm. You need standardization and in terms and in metrics throughout the supply chain for everyone to be talking um, you know on the same page as it were the challenge for our partners the vendor community is that they need to focus on the business outcomes they need to be talking about the business outcomes that they can help solve mm. rather than wittering on about version 3.2 yeah. Um, yeah you know that that's an uh, an obvious trap that a lot of organizations fall into is talking about how this version is better than the last version well what difference is it going to make to my business is what the manufacturing community really want to know and you've mentioned technology obviously we're in a industry where technology is advancing all the time are manufacturers partnering with those kind of high-tech innovative solution providers to solve their issues or are we seeing some kind of slightly lower tech simpler partnerships out there at the moment <laughs> yeah well look, let's be honest there's a, a number of businesses that still operate almost entirely on spreadsheets yeah. uh, it's quite remarkable really um, but yes is the short answer but you're quite right there are there are a lot of low tech solutions being deployed um, and you know I think as I said earlier there's so many options in the market that it can be a real challenge to identify the one that works for you, your suppliers, your customers. Um, so there's a lot to wade through. Yeah. Um, and, you know, thinking of the uh, the Gartner hype cycle, more often than I care to mention, businesses start to fall into that trough of disillusionment. Wonderful term. Um, <laughs> look it up if you've not come across it. Um, you know, and, and, and that's what we want to avoid. You know, we want... Um, simple proof proof of concept um, and getting through that pilot phase nice and quickly proving success and then rolling out across wider businesses that's that's where the industry is going to make um, big gains and and move forward quickly and finally Stu um, who are some of the key players that are helping manufacturers get to grips with those supply chain issues at the moment i mean there's a, a whole range of of guys right <laughs> so that's like asking me to choose my favorite child yeah um uh, that being said i only have I one say, so one. i've yeah. only got one so lara if you're listening you're my favorite child <laughs> i think this the, the simple answer to that one tom is that and you you touched on this earlier we bring those partners together yeah. with our community um and you know manufacturing digitalization summit coming up in june uh, and the sme growth summit coming up in june as well uh, as part of manufacturing engineering week in birmingham 7th and 8th june um those events will have a number of discussion sessions going on led by some of those partners mm. but also around those tables will be our manufacturing community and it's a fantastic opportunity to kind of crowdsource solutions with your peers you know, talk about the challenges that you've had, talk about the opportunities and, and what you're looking to achieve and, you know, identify, well, actually, that's that's not going to work for me and actually that will work for me. But it just brings, you know, months and months of research condensed into a couple of days. Mm. Um, so uh, I'm not going to name my favourites, um, but I will, I will give a, you know, a shameless plug to come and join us in June, get round yeah, the table and, yeah. uh, you know, meet your peers, chat it through, 
um, and meet some of the, the vendors who will give you those aggregated yep. views from a wide customer base. Yeah, and well, like we said at the start, it comes up all the time, right? And we've got our industrial data summit uh, that we're going to tomorrow at the time of recording. Yeah, looking Supply forward to that. is going to come up there, like you say, at the two summits, manufacturing um, digitalization summit, SME growth summit, and then more generally across manufacturing and engineering week it will keep coming back up won't it because it really is a big big issue certainly is it's it's one of the sort of the the top four issues that we're um uh, certainly we're seeing coming through at the moment so yeah Stu, mate great to get your thoughts thanks for joining pleasure thank you for inviting me cheers tom and wouldn't it be silly of you not to attend those summits if you weren't an sme and if you weren't a manufacturing organization looking to explore the option of digital technology to assist with supply problems get yourself to birmingham in june where the sme growth summit and manufacturing digitalization summit will be taking place at the nec on both the 7th and the 8th as part of manufacturing and engineering week Next up, we have Nigel Payne, Supply Chain and Operations Director at Britvic, speaking with me about some of the supply chain approaches of a global drinks manufacturer. Well, Nigel, thank you very much for joining us. It's great to have you on the Manufacturer Podcast. Yeah, thanks, Tom. It's a pleasure. Would you mind just briefly discussing your your role and your responsibilities at Britvic to kick us off? Yeah, of course. So, um, the title, Supply Chain and Operations Director for GB Business, um, just well, what that means, because I guess it's different for every company. Uh, as soon as someone does a contract for an ingredient, then my team works it from there. So we'll pick up the product wherever it is in the world, bring it into the country. We'll work out the demand forecast, plan the production, make it, store it, move it, and then hopefully look after the customers at the back end of that. Um, it is the GB business. So Britvic is a bit wider than that. We're global business. We've got manufacturing in France, Ireland, Brazil, and GB. So I, I cover the GB, which is about, about two-thirds of Britvic PLC. Um, our supply chain sits by business unit. So I sit within GB rather than a central, and Brazil sit within the Brazil team. Yeah. Um, so, that, so it sits on the GB board with the other standard members and, and a little bit about me if you want i'm 19 years in britvic so a long time but not traditionally supply chain um, which may be of interest i i mean i was commercial director here for five years um before i moved to uh, the usa and ran our north america business and then came back to this role at uh, two and a half years ago so very much ingrained within the company by now i bet i'm sure if you cut me in the middle there'd be britvic oozing out somewhere <laughs> And you've mentioned it a bit there, obviously, a, a company uh, rich in history and, and heritage, well-established brands sold all over the world. That must be quite a, a, an operation, right? But the scale must be quite something. So how does that impact your supply chains? Um, yeah, yeah it, it's big. I mean, it's, it's big everywhere. And of course, we're selling relatively bulky items of low value soft drinks. Uh, hence why our supply chains tend to be country by country. There's not too much value shipping uh, bottles of Robinsons over to Brazil, to be honest. Um, but if I, I'll just give you, you know, some of the scale of what we've got then in GB to cope with it. We've got three production sites uh, up and down the spine of the country. That, that's changed over the past several years. But uh, most northern based is in Leeds. We have our biggest warehouse in Rugby. And then we have one down in East London in Beckton. 
Uh, each of those sites have their own warehouse, and then we've got a sort of central office up in Lutterworth. So that's our national distribution centre. Um, for the GB business, then there's 20 production lines in there. We, we make glass products, cam products, and PT products, uh, and just give scale for people. Um, we do about two and a half thousand HGV loads a week to customer. Peaks a bit more in the summer. There's some seasonality in there, so maybe up to three thousand. Uh, and that's about two uh, 200 million cases a year in GB. Um, thousand people within our GB supply chain to cover that. That's everything I said in the beginning, you know, including planning, production. Um, we're 24-7 uh, across the sites. Um, and I guess the other big part of it is the number of suppliers we work with. Um, you know, with the amount of ingredients, because we're, you know, we're making everything from the Pepsi products through to a lot of juice content uh, for our own products like J2O or Tango. Um, you know, we've got 400 direct suppliers in 40 different countries all supplying into the GB business. So, um, yeah, quite quite a massive undertaking, I think. And I know there have been some real challenges in recent years for manufacturers. A global pandemic obviously wasn't easy. Geopolitical unrest, it's taken its toll, right, on manufacturing supply chains. How have these affected Britvic, would you say? Has there been a, a particular challenge maybe that Britvic has successfully overcome? Yeah, well, so I hope we've overcome. But, I mean, you mentioned a couple there that, that sort of, as I'd lay them out, the kind of big ones that have hit us, well, it probably started with Brexit and, and the impact of importing some of our goods. That's mainly settled down. That was probably paperwork-based. So I guess we've overcome that through third party. Found, mm. found some good people who can do the administration, to be honest. The, the one that probably caused the most angst in the FMCG world in GB and I'm sure outside of FMCG as well, but the area I know, um, was the driver availability. So if you go back about a year and a half, two years ago, the shortage of drivers was probably one of the biggest headaches I've had in my 19 years through any function. Um, you know, everyone was fighting for the same resource and it was a, a race to the top of the sort of price chain. I, I'd say we've overcome that now. I feel in a really good position because it, it made us do two things that we outsourced our transport. Uh, we have a fantastic partner, so I'm very happy with the renegotiation we've done with them and a, a long contract in place. Um, but the other thing which helped us overcome it is we introduced a core fleet. So traditionally, we didn't have any dedicated Britvic um, lorries. It was literally using a third party, but you know they're free to market transport. So we, we've introduced a core fleet. Um, just a couple of other things. The one that's probably the most uh, cumbersome at the moment is the conflict, um, Russia and Ukraine, the way that yeah. impacts us really hits us in a number of ways. There's, there's obviously the fuel element. So the cost escalating cost of fuel and the impact on inflation, but in particular CO2, um, which we use in the manufacturing process and obviously in the carbonated drinks. So the, the cost of it's one thing, but the availability of it is another because the, you know the fuels are used to make fertilizer and the byproduct CO2. And companies are kind of coming out of making the product. But the one that really is the hardest, I think, for a lot of companies, particularly those who are growing and investing in their supply chain, is the availability of equipment. Finding spare parts, finding a new line. You know, um, if you go back several years ago, uh, and if you were looking to put a new production line in, 
you planned it well, you could probably sign the contract and have it up and running somewhere between 14, 16 months, depending on the scale of the line, but on average for our industry. Now you've got to double that, really. So planning ahead is really, really important. And the industry is becoming way more technology-based, technologically advanced. Have there been any technologies that Britvic have deployed to advance your supply chain? Yeah, there's been some, some I guess, low-end tech and some high-end tech. I know there's a lot of talk around digitization and mm. um, 4.0. The reality for us, um, it starts with the basics. So we've done a lot of mechanical work on our lines just to help us manage sort of light weighting, for example, taking plastic out of bottles. Um, so we've taken 4,000 tonnes out of the plastic in our bottles over the last few years. Obviously, that means a thinner bottle, so the way you handle it and manage it changes. So it's not high-end tech, it's just mechanical. We've done quite a bit of work on liquid development. Um, that allows us to put some of our products, at, you know, like a, a concentrate like Robinson's that people will be familiar with, into higher concentration levels, so i.e. less bottles being shipped around. So again, not high-end tech. Um, if you get more into specifics, I talked about four warehouses. Uh, two of them are fully lights out, um, so 100% automated from the back of our lines. Um, in fact, our NDC, which is 27 years old, was quite an early adopter of that, but um, we just spent the last two years ripping it apart and rebuilding it um, whilst it was operational, so sort of a, a bit of a Lego block build. So um, a lot of technology in there. And I guess um, the other bit is, particularly as we look into sustainability and energy use and water, um, we've employed a lot of metering. So all of those production lines now are fully metered for energy use um, and water usage uh, across all of their applications. And, and I guess the final bit, which is visibility of products, we're a SAP-based company, SAP-based company. Um, so we continually upgrade there. We've just gone through the process of um, putting the latest warehouse system in so for anyone who's familiar with ewm uh, that's now live and, and i must say tom if i was to if i was to take a step back and go the best investment i think we've put into tech is probably the people i know it's not the sexy bit but developing and training the people is probably the bit that makes the biggest difference you can put all of the digitization in in the world but unless people know how to use it and can not just look at data and get insight from it then it's not that useful. So we're, we're putting a lot of energy into that side of the business as well, to be honest. Well, you've spoken there about your people. You've spoken about being clever with technology, not necessarily always going high-end. You've spoken about partnerships. So this next question, you, you've probably touched on the answers already quite a bit, but how best can manufacturers manage their supply chain effectively in 2023 and given the current climate? Um, okay, well, I'll add... I'll add something. I do, I do think here that there's several things, but the three that would stick out. So as I look at um, explaining what we're trying to do and develop, so if you you know explain the future for Britvic, and, and I'd suggest it's the same for others, is number one is get the right investment strategy. Mm. So I, I think the way to describe that is being ahead of the demand curve. I mean, it's easier to get that investment when you're a growing business. So I appreciate that. Um, but but Britvic could gone the other way for a number of years in the past um, you know, try to really sweat the assets that makes it hard to keep ahead and grow so 
definitely look at where you're going, look at your aspirations and try and find the investment or the partners to invest, whatever it might be, to keep ahead of that demand curve. That's the biggest thing I feel. Um, the second bit I'd say is partnership. So, yeah. we, you know, we can't do everything ourselves. I've already talked about outsourcing, for example, uh, our transport, but all of those 400 suppliers. Um, it's about really working with them for mutual benefit. Uh, and, I, and I truly mean investing. Put the time into network to understand their business. Um, it just makes such a big difference. And, and that's how I think we managed to get through some of those issues I talked about earlier. Uh, and then the final bit, you, you know, I just covered it. It's, it's people, people, people. Yeah, we're, we're a thousand people in the supply chain. As automated as you want to be, it's still generally the biggest function within businesses. Um, if you're going to get your people strategy, your culture right, it's got to start in the supply chain. And then finally, obviously, we, we can't predict the future, but fingers crossed the challenges won't be quite as tricky to navigate as the recent ones we've seen. But what are Britfix supply chain plans for the future? Um, yes, to have an easier time, that would be good, wouldn't it? So it has, has been tricky. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, continue that investment path um, and, it, and it will become necessarily more and more technical. Um, so we're sort of, we are moving into that um, you know, development within our equipment. So keeping ahead of that growth, uh, I'm pleased to say we, I would say the footprint we own allows us to get at least 50% more growth out of what we have. Um, the, the big, big area, I guess, because I haven't really touched on it, that um, we want to look at is at warehousing. So we have all our warehousing next to our sites or very close to our sites. Um, and it's just continually developing that. How do we get better velocities out of that? That helps us from not only cost, but from a scope three emissions as well in terms of transport. Um, and look, always on the lookout for some great people. But keeping ahead of that demand curve. Yeah. And do you know what? We'll be successful if I walk around our production sites, our warehouses, our customer service centers, and people are smiling. And that's the best way of telling you if you're on top of your game. Nigel, it's been great to get your thoughts and I know our listeners will be really intrigued to, to hear your insights. So thank you very much for joining us. That's a pleasure. Thank you, Tom. Our thanks to Nigel for taking some time to chat with me there. Well, there you go. That's all we've got time for. You heard Nigel say it there. To have an easier time would be good. We could certainly do without the turmoil of the past few years. But sadly, the only certainty is uncertainty at the moment, to quote Stuart from the start of the episode. Thanks for choosing this pod once again, listener. The third episode of our sustainability series drops tomorrow, so be sure to check that out as well. If you're listening to this on a date past the 28th of April 2023, then there's no need to do anything. Just let this episode finish and a new one begin. Goodbye. <laughs>